every nurse clinic is a dental clinic. Every animal you see, we need to have a look in its mouth. Every single animal, we should be, I think we call it lifting the lip, don't we? And, and just having a look at seeing what's going on. You know, if you said to someone, if you could lift the bonnet of your car and see, visibly see that there was something wrong, would you do it? And you would all go, yes. So why don't we do that for our pets' mouths? Hi, everyone, and welcome to another super special VN Happy Hour. Yay! <laughs> I'm Vet Times Editor James Westgate. And I'm VN Times Editor Rachel Buzzle. Tonight we're going to be focusing on all things dental, from scaling and polishing to owner compliance, as well as how vet nurses can get involved in this speciality. To help us do that, we have our special guests ready and waiting to share their knowledge. That's right. So in our main interview slot this evening, James will be chatting with Claire Harrison. Now, Claire has spent the majority of her career in the veterinary dentistry referral. Um, she was the first RVN, in fact, outside of North America to gain BTS certification in dentistry. And she is also an active member of the Academy of Veterinary Dental Technicians. Um, Claire will be answering questions, which have been sent in by you guys, about her passion for dentistry, the VN's role in this speciality, and how you can all get involved. That's right. And straight after that, Claire will be joining our other guests for our panel discussion. We've had loads of questions sent in, and I know we're all looking forward to sharing their thoughts and opinions with the Happy Hour community. So joining Claire on the panel, we have Claire Bloor, who holds a BVNA VN certificate in dentistry and is excited to be delivering the new RCVS accredited certificate in advanced veterinary nursing dentistry course at Myersco College in September. Okay, and we are also delighted to welcome Nicola Lakeman back to the panel. Nicola has written for many veterinary textbooks and publications, and she's also a regular contributor to VN Times. And she is currently studying for her master's degree in advanced veterinary nursing with Glasgow University. As per usual, we've tried to cram as much into this hour as we possibly can. So let's get this show on the road and say hi to Claire Harrison. How are you doing, Claire? Hello, I'm fine. How are you? Thanks. Uh, not, not, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, as per usual, um, all the questions have been sent in by our delegates tonight. We've had stacks. Uh, we can only answer and ask a few. But uh, so we'll get going with the with the first question. What is the Academy of Veterinary Dental Technicians and where do vet nurses fit in? Oh, I'm really excited to get to talk about the AVDT, as we call it for abbreviation. Um, so the Academy of Veterinary Dental Technicians is an organisation which promotes both dentistry, veterinary dentistry, and also the technician or nurse involvement in that. Um, so it, it's an organisation which um, delivers the veterinary technician specialty in dentistry. Uh, so experienced veterinary nurses or technicians can undertake the two-year credentialing program um, and then once they've done that and uh, they've passed that then they can sit the qualifying examination uh, and then once all that's um, passed then uh, they're awarded their VTS in dentistry um, and then members have to be actively involved in the organisation and also recertify every five years as well. So it's something that veterinary nurses maybe after about three and a half, four years um, plus of post-qualification can only then can they start to think about getting underway with a, a VTS. And um, the best websites to look at if you're interested uh, is the avtt.us. So that's for the Academy of Veterinary Dental Technicians. If 
dentistry is not your main passion in practice, but you would like to do something else, um, then have a look at the National Association for Veterinary Technicians in America. Uh, so that's navta.net, N-A-V-T-A.net. And you can have a look at all the different specialties that are on offer. And there's about 18 currently. That's an awful lot. And I can imagine that opens up an awful lot of doors. A lot of work, but a lot sure. of doors open. A lot to. Of, yeah. And there's not only sort of work opportunities, but all those sort of extra things like um, speaking and teaching. Um, yeah. And Nicola's just put up in the chat that a VTS is well worth exploring. So she's a VTS in nutrition. And so, you know, it's something that not a lot of veterinary nurses in the UK have. My guesstimate at the moment is there's around 100 veterinary nurses that have a VTS, um, a majority in either emergency and critical, critical care or anesthesia and analgesia. Um, so, but it's definitely something to explore mm, if, real, if yeah. you are very passionate about something. A real USP, but uh, yeah. cracking on to the next question. They're definitely inter international, um, yeah. not just, you know, for North America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I suppose following on from that, and that's a great answer, a lot of information. I hope people have been making notes. But uh, do you see more veterinary nurses looking to develop the skills in the field of dentistry? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, dentistry has grown massively in the past sort of 15 years that I've been involved um, with with dentistry. And we're hopefully getting some more um, specialists in the the UK. So there's going to be more specialty centres opening. Um, They're starting to get people in to do specialty dentistry in the multidisciplinary centers Mm -hmm. as well and there's also the postgraduate certificates available for veterinary surgeons as well so I suppose as as they start to you know up their qualifications in dentistry then they're going to be looking for nurses to join them as well and also owners um, having more of an awareness and higher expectations of oral health care as well and because the nurses can be massively involved in dentistry um, and quite involved in the procedures as well uh, and nurses that enjoy consulting as well they've got that opportunity to um, develop Mm -hmm. clinics and as well as be involved in dentistry and that goes for first opinion practice as well okay yeah so stacks of opportunity next question um back in the day nurses often did the dentals including extractions there were courses especially for nurses to teach extraction techniques will nurses ever be able to do extractions again uh qualification could be designed for this yeah, wish potato. I had a, a crystal ball for that. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. a, a bit of a you know controversial yeah. um, uh, you know subject as well. I think it's something that is under consideration uh, that the VN Futures have looked at, um, and you know I suppose it would have to go through a lot of legalities. Uh, I, th- I think the the main problems with it are um, you know veterinary nurses maybe being put in a position where they don't feel you know qualified or, or competent enough to do that and also dentistry you know things can go wrong pretty quickly um, extractions are oral surgery um, so unless it's something very straight you know not straightforward but the, the tooth has got a lot of dental disease there and it's very mobile and going to come out quite easily then um, I've seen quite small teeth and you know single rooted teeth um, mm-hmm. And the vets have struggled for quite a long time to remove those. So I suppose um, it's about have veterinary nurses having a really good understanding, underpinning knowledge of dental pathology. Um, and then do we cross over into the lines of making diagnoses um, before we're performing dental extractions? And 
the veterinary surgeon would still be, you know, in charge of that. So mm-hmm. um, I can see there's, you know, how it's controversial and there's very many differing opinions on on that as well. Right. But I think it would have to be quite an involved um, qualification if they were going to do do one yeah. for oral surgery for nurses. I think you handled that particular hot potato very well. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> quick, quick ask, you've got 20 friend. seconds to answer this one. Okay. Uh, what are the main positives of dentistry and what do you like and why? Oh, um, I suppose. Okay, thanks. Um, I suppose the benefit that you make to patients, uh, the oral pathology is often very hidden because animals are very stoical, especially our dogs and cats, Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to oral pain. Um, So, uh, also the communication with the team and also the clients as well is what I enjoy the most. And what I don't like, I suppose, is that, um, you know, non-compliance from owners and also a bit of an apathy side on the um, veterinary side for, you know, recommending dental procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that comes down to education rather than anything else. Good stuff. And uh, where do you stand with polishing teeth after scaling? My vets have had conflicting advice. Yeah, um, I think in most of the literatures in veterinary dentistry, it still promotes polishing. Um, I think the thoughts with that are you can damage the teeth if you're a bit overzealous with polishing. Um, so it's something that I still I still do. I do polish as long as you use a fine profi paste so that you're not wearing off the enamel um, with a coarse paste. And um, so it's entirely down to the individual practice, but you're not going to be causing you know any damage as long as you're polishing gently but also if you miss that step for for some reason or another or the vets choose not to do it then um there's probably not going to be much of a issue there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i'm considering dental as an area for the practice to develop but the partners aren't sure what mm-hmm. are the key benefits oh well i suppose um you know your your benefits to your patients first of all um it could if you develop a really great dental service within your your clinical practice, um, then you're going to be quite attractive to owners, I think. If your Mm -hmm. dentistry is something that animals will need several times throughout their lifetime, you know, at the very least, whereas they're they're only going to get neutered or a lot of other common procedures are only going to happen once. Um, So dentistry is something that's going to be quite repetitive throughout an animal's life. So you've got that there. if you're, the owners are, of the practice or, or the partners are very reluctant, then get them to have a look at the American Animal Hospital Association dental guidelines. Um, they're updated in 2019 and it gives you a good gold standard for what you should be working towards as a practice. And there's also the, the World Small Animal Veterinary Association guidelines as well, but that's a, a huge document. So the AHA guidelines are a good one to start with. Great stuff. Now, you've part answered this in um, one of your earlier excellent answers, mm-hmm. but uh, is, there, uh, is there a limit on what VNs can and can't say about dental procedures in terms of advice at dental advice clinics? Yeah, I think uh, in a way we're quite fortunate, um, as in we can't often diagnose a lot of dental problems in the consult room. So the animals have to be safely under general anaesthetic and uh, undergoing an oral assessment for us to know exactly what the problem is. So you can often show owners that there's a lot of issues with the mouth or there's a lot of tartar on the teeth or inflammation there um, and that you're recommending a dental procedure. Often they might come to you after they've been into for a vet appointment for something else and the vets recommended that they come and see you um, or they you may be seeing them post-operatively as well for post-op rechecks. 
So I think as long as we don't stray into diagnosis, we can you know, safely cover what to expect during a dental procedure and what may happen um, mm -hmm. as well and what is involved. Great answer. Um, a vet is really interested in developing our dental services and asked if I'd want to work with them. How could it develop me? Well, there's loads. I suppose there's um, lots of CPD you could do um, either, you know, some online courses um, together to get, you know, a taster for it. Uh, vets and nurses, if they go and do a course in dentistry, they get really excited and think about all the things they can take back to the practice. So it's really nice to see when they're, they're working together um, about how they could develop the, that side of the practice and how they can get more interested in it as well. And then there's always the opportunities of doing a, a certificate um, like the, the new uh, one that's at Myers School College, the Advanced Nursing Certificate, or um, say the NCERT in dentistry as well, the Nurse Certificate from Improve International, or even if you uh, become <laughs> really, really uh, keen on dentistry, then think about the VTS as well. Of course, of course. Um, another potential hot potato coming your way. Wow. Um, do we see VNs getting more dental responsibilities under the RCVS legislative reform plans? And what could these be? Well, I suppose the, the extractions um, would, mm -hmm. be, would be the one that would be quite contentious. Um, but at the moment, nurses can do, you know, a crazy amount in dentistry we can take all the radiographs we can do all the oral assessment and the charting scaling polishing um, you know quite involved cleaning as well so we're maybe cleaning out and um, periodontal disease po pockets and um, that where there's periodontal disease uh, and these teeth aren't going to get extracted we can place the local blocks as well so as long as you feel you're you're happy to do that you're competent you've done some further training uh, you've got support from your your vet as well then you can um, do all that that already and I suppose that giving us that opportunity to develop the the client contact side as well with our nurse-led clinics is um, really valuable. Mm -hmm. So there's a little, already a lot you guys can do. Yeah so I think it would just be the you know the extraction side of that and how would we um, you know define those barriers between um, you know when things become when is it a simple extraction when is it oral surgery um, and how how would we involve nurses in that as well and I think it would be very difficult to to make those lines clear yeah it's always always a challenge when anything yeah. like the legislation uh -huh. needs to be unpicked but uh, moving on to your final question sure. um, could you explain how a vet nurse fits into dental referral and how this differs yeah. from working in first opinion practice sure. for example um, so I mean, a lot of that initial stages that I talked about in the last question are something that I do every day in dental referral, but also I'm involved with, um, you know, the advanced procedures as well. So there's, you know, you're assisting with maxillofacial surgery, you're involved in the, the root canals. So they're actually something that's quite heavy. You're heavily involved in with assisting with the equipment and um, during the procedure as well. Um, some veterinary dentists when they're doing crowns you can be taking the the impressions of the mouth as well so there's loads to be doing but you know my main job is really doing the radiographs uh, speaking to the clients doing the admits and discharge appointments as well so it's not something that you lose completely when you go to dental referral but, but um, I, i'm sure they vary from from center to center though but something you clearly get an awful lot out of professionally Absolutely. yeah uh -huh. yeah i wouldn't want to do anything else whilst i'm in you know clinical work 
Yeah, something to get your teeth in to excuse the pain. <laughs> I've been waiting to drop it in all night. But um, that was absolutely fantastic. Oh, Thank you ever so much you. for that, Claire. Now, Claire will be joining our other Claire, Law, and Nicola Lakeman for our panel shortly. Are you ready to roll? Kick us off, Rachel? Yeah, absolutely. Right, Nicola, I'm coming to you first. Um, first off, welcome back. <laughs> it's great to have you back. Um, so your question is, have you got any tips for removing bad staining without damaging enamel? Yes. So um, in, I, I see a lot of these in clinics and um, I, <laughs> I, I like analogies. So I liken it to my daughter's um, school shirt. So we all have that white school shirt, don't we? That's always stained. <laughs> getting rid of the stains is really, really difficult, but it doesn't actually affect the structural integrity of the school shirt, does it? Um, it's really cosmetic. And what we find is, same as in with, with our teeth, when we use whitening products, they actually contain bleach. And I know in the UK, we're very, very strict on the, the amount of the, the bleach that's in, in our products, because they really can affect the enamel quite a lot. What I really try, what's important in nurse clinics is our role is to educate owners I think that's really important. And I think it's educating them more about brushing the teeth, getting rid of the plaque, not allowing the tartar to build up and just getting that across to say that's that's the important aspect. Great stuff. That's a great analogy. I love that. <laughs> and this one's for you, Claire B. Um, what's the best way to reduce pain in tooth removals apart from a block? Well, that's a really good question. Um, and I'm very pleased that the question actually acknowledges that blocks should be used because <laughs> local anaesthetics really are are superb and I would urge all practices to, to use them. But I suppose in addition to blocks or uh, instead of blocks, other ways to reduce pain would be a really good multimodal analgesic plan. So that would incorporate local anaesthetics, um, but the use of, of drugs from different categories to target different uh, stages of the pain pathway is is really important um well-maintained instruments and equipment so a lot of the instruments that we use in dentistry are sharp and they need to be sharp for a specific reason um so they they do need to stay sharp to do the job well and if they don't that could cause excessive inflammation and therefore pain um, and I suppose the other two would be good surgical technique and pre-op radiographs as well. So with regards to surgical technique, good tissue handling, good manipulation of the tissues by the, the operator will again reduce inflammation and tissue damage and, and therefore pain. And pre-op radiographs might sound like a bit of a strange one, um, but to check for any abnormalities prior to the start of the extraction is a useful thing to do. So checking for anything that might affect the extraction, for example, there being no roots there and digging around for something that's, that's resorbed. Um, ankylose roots that might make the extraction more difficult. Um, things like dilacerations, so abnormal shapes to the roots, which could affect the extraction and make the vet be digging around for something that's really quite difficult. It just causes more trauma and pain. So a few different things, really. And loads of stuff. Thanks for that, Claire. OK, I'm coming over to you, Claire H. Would it be fair to say that an increased focus on dentals can develop into an important revenue stream for practices? My practice is not the best at this, and I want to push my cash for more awareness. Oh, OK. So, 
yeah, I mean, it can be quite a profitable service, but it's got to be done quite efficiently, um, which I think getting your standards up in dentistry and getting everyone more experienced or having a set team that are more experienced in dentistry is key. Um, maybe looking at staging dental procedures or putting time limits on procedures so that things aren't, you know, the vets aren't getting fatigued and, you know, things are running into extra time because, you know, a Owner, operator fatigue rather than um you know the the fact that it's just a very long procedure um also involving the nurses more because if we're staging dental procedures or we're getting patients in having a more awareness so vets are recommending dental procedures sooner um rather than waiting until animals have have really bad teeth and there's lots of periodontal disease there they're needing lots of extractions then the nurses can be doing the majority if not all of that procedure um, if it's you know staging uh, with the dental radiographs and cleanings uh, so I think that would be more effective um, for practices and utilizing their nurses much better as well and it eventually would see an, an increase in revenue. Wonderful some great advice there thank you. And this one's for you, Nicola. Do you have any good advice, and I'm sure you do, for setting up and running a really good nurse-led dental clinic? Well, I'm going to actually say all nurse clinics are dental clinics. (laughs) Every animal that walks in your door has teeth. So every animal, every part of your clinical exam is looking at its teeth. So... uh, it's quite, it's quite a difficult question to answer because every single animal we should be, I think we call it lifting the lip, don't we? And, and just having, having a look at seeing what's going on. You know, if you sit to someone, I'm sure you, you know, most of you will drive. Um, if you could lift the bonnet of your car and see, visibly see that there was something wrong, would you do it? And you would all go, yes. So why don't we do that for our pets' mouths? It's a really, you know, obviously some dogs and cats you know, you're not going to get near, but it's part of every single nurse clinic that we see. It, it's a really important aspect of that. You know, dental health, mouth health is really important for your renal patients, for your cardiac patients. You know, the first thing that we recommend for cavaliers with cardiac problems is that we, you know, get their mouths all sorted out and cleaned. So every animal you see, we should be doing that. It's part of our, you know, clinical exam. So all of them. Thank you very much. Okay, over to you, Claire B. I'm really interested in the Advanced Veterinary Nursing Dentistry course. Could you give me some more information, please? Um, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so the course is that we're running at Myasco is is it replacing the RCVS diploma in Advanced Veterinary Nursing that's been running for well over a decade now, um, and it's because the RCVS decided to change their postgraduate or post-registration framework of qualifications. Um, So yeah, it's basically a one-year academic course, part-time study via blended learning. So that's mostly online with uh, four trips to to college. And you'll study three 20-credit HE modules. So one of those is focused on sort of evidence-based nursing, developing your research skills, critical thinking skills, your HE skills basically Um, so you can focus on evidence-based practice and then there's two modules that are focused solely on dental oral and maxillofacial 
conditions, treatment and, and nursing. And once you've completed all three modules after the year and attended graduation, etc., you've got your certificate in advanced veterinary nursing dentistry from Myasco and the university. And then you can claim recognition of that qualification from the RCVS. So you have an RCVS um, cert ABN. Um, and yeah, it just involves a range of assessments to test your theory knowledge, but develop your skills and protocols. And it's very much focused on practice learning because that's where it, the learning needs to be useful for you all. Um, so yeah, I'll not really bore you with anything more. If you want more info, then you can by all means email me and I can send you send you some more details. Fantastic. And that's I'm excited so though. Very exciting. It starts in September, doesn't it? It starts in September, yeah. yeah wonderful. And uh, I think I've seen a link to the course go in the chat. So, of course, go and have a look at that and we'll get your email there too, Claire, if you're happy for us too. Wonderful. So I'm coming over to you, Nicola. Do you think dentals are something that is often overlooked and what role can VNs play in raising awareness? Oh, well, I sort of already said every animal we see... I'm a very much at every 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 animal or every pet every time we weigh them we record the weight we're doing that clinical exam so it's a really easy way to get involved um talking just talking to clients and educating clients is really really important just about you know daily health care because as a clinic nurse I want to prevent things from going wrong um and working in first opinion practice I'm sure most of you have been on the short end of a, of a vet that's sweating because they're doing that dental that's really difficult. We want to make things easy and prevent that. So talking to clients about handling the pet's mouth, you know, just introducing brushing and, you know, getting the paste in, all of those sort of things. If we're doing that early on, then we can prevent, you know, some things from occurring a bit later on in life. So you know, get, just getting involved and talking to clients and just highlighting these things is just a, a very, very simple, easy step to do. Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you, Nicola. And back to you, Claire B. Um, I'm trying to get into a distance learning VN course due to my rural location. I've offered vo voluntary work to all local vets and have a good solid background in animal care, but no luck so far. COVID not helping. It's not helping much really, is it? But uh, are there any courses I could do in the meantime? Okay, so I'm assuming this means distance learning mm, for your yeah, initial yeah. sort of license to practice qualification. So, yeah, COVID is making life very difficult for a lot of uh, people trying to get into vet nursing. Um, from that information that you've provided, I would probably recommend looking into doing maybe an ANA or a, a VCA course first because there's loads of providers that actually offer that online um, and it's a really good start for progressing onto vet nurse training because of all the subjects that are taught um, and the little requirement of you, you being in practice on those types of courses will maybe be a bit more feasible and thinking about progressing out of COVID hopefully um, but it'll give you maybe a good foot in the door in a practice who then may potentially support your training so yeah I would maybe look at a ANA or VCA course mm -hmm. and practices generally are pretty enthusiastic about supporting that sort of training you'd hope wouldn't you yes yeah absolutely because um ANAs and VCAs are invaluable in practice mm -hmm. so it's very very much worth investing in in their training for sure great stuff thank you Claire okay uh Nicola 
Dentals is something that I want to get into. Are there any books or reference works that you could recommend to get me started? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say with, with <laughs> I, I do a very different side of dentistry <laughs> than, than both the Claire's. So <laughs> um, I know when I was um, doing anesthesia and things, I haven't done an anesthetic for about 10 years, but I know that when I was, um, and helping the vets and everything. Um, I used to, to use um, Celia Goral's book, which is Dentistry for Veterinary Nurses. But I do remember the thing that I learned the most from was dentistry practical sessions. And we were so, so lucky. I'm going to say it was at least 15 or 20 years ago. I'm showing my age here. Um, Norman Johnson, who is a really um, just, he's like the god of dental stuff, um, actually came to our practice and spent a whole day doing practical dentistry with us. And I'm going to say I learned more from doing it practically than I ever would have learned from a book. So doing courses where you actually get hands-on experience, I mean, trying to learn how to sharpen a, a dental instrument from a book is, I, I, I couldn't. I'm, I'm sure some people could, but I need someone to show me how to, to turn that elevator the right way and how, how to do it. So practical sort of courses are, are really, you know, the, the gold standard, that's, that's the route that I would really go down. Um, Obviously, uh, books really good from that anatomy and physiology. You're, you know, knowing your anatomy really good, well is is important. But practical things are, are, are the way to go. Wonderful, thank you. And this is another one for you, Claire B. Um, aside from the obvious issues of tooth loss and gum disease, what are some of the other issues dental problems can lead on to? I know this has been mentioned by other members of the panel prior to, but just uh, just have uh, have a go at that one. Um, I think. The main things that I would say would be pain and probably bacteremia really is the main issues. So pain, obviously the teeth and surrounding structures are really, really well supplied with, with nerves. Um, so lots of different conditions cause significant amounts of pain. So fractured teeth, tumours, malocclusions, fractured jaws, caries, tooth resorption, gingivostomatitis, the list goes on. So pain is a massive thing to consider. And you've got to think about how pain can impact an animal's normal daily abilities um, in, a, in a whole different range of different ways. So it can make them inappetent or anorexic, stop grooming, losing weight, not doing normal things, not expressing normal behaviour. Um, and of course, things like halitosis, which is generally what owners first talk to you about is now its breath stinks yeah that's not the worst of its issues um and then yeah the second thing that i said bacteremia gingivitis when the gums bleed that's a breach from the outside world to the patient's bloodstream so if they've got gingivitis and worse then they've got that persistent low-grade bacteremia every time they chew something every time they eat bacteria from the oral cavity will be going into the bloodstream which their immune system has to keep clearing on a very regular basis and that can kind of well it can cause a lot of different things there's lots of research in humans about uh, oral bacteria sort of systemic effects um so yeah not just tooth loss and gum disease mm. lots of potential ramifications from having bad pegs yeah just a little bit um over to you Rachel. yeah so that sounds like that's quite the catalyst for a lot 
of other things as well, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I'm staying with you, Claire. I've got another question. Claire B, that is, sorry. Um, what are some of the most common barriers to dentals you have experienced from clients and how are they best overcome? Well, I'm sure this will resonate with a lot of people. Um, I think probably clients maybe not appreciating that there's a problem in the first place is often quite uh, difficult or they think, well, it's, it's old. Um, of course, it's going to have teeth problems and they don't really want to do much about it. But um, and yeah, not appreciating the benefits of treatment, I think. So I, the way I overcome that is by explaining to them exactly what is going on in the oral cavity, what's going on with the teeth in fairly simple and straightforward terms and how it could progress. And I find pictures are quite impactful, really disgusting, horrid mouths showing them this is how it could end up and this is why it's painful often does get them on board but yeah lots of resources to help educate clients that's that's what you really need to be be doing to overcome that problem um, and I think maybe costs and anesthetic risks I would say are the other things um, and I can see in the chat that there's loads of people talking about how they cost procedures and again I, I find clients are willing to pay for the treatment if they understand the benefits which comes back to the first point really um and it's up to you really with regards to your practice what payment plans but it, it's worth the owner spending the money um to get the problem sorted and then trying to keep on top of it so uh, get the job done make the mouth comfortable and then encourage them to spend that little bit of money ongoing to maintain oral health as best they can and it will hopefully save them some money in the long run um and with regards to anaesthetic risks, I just explain again to the clients, this is the procedure that we go through. These are all of the safety checks that we have in place for your animal undergoing anaesthetics. Um, the, the drugs are as safe as they can be. Our procedures are as safe as they can be. This is what we will do. IV fluids, IV catheters, etc. cetera. Um, and just put the mind at ease, I think. But I would say they're probably, probably the main barriers that I've experienced over the years. Okay, so it's all about good communication, then keeping those pathways open. Yeah, and helping totally. understand. Communication yeah. and education, yeah. for sure. Wonderful. I've got to say, this has been brilliant, guys. I've got one little 30 question, 30 second uh, question. Well, not the question, the answer, hopefully. Uh, so I'll start with you, but it's for all three of you. I'll start with you, Nicola. Um, if you could give our delegates one piece of advice about working in veterinary dentals, what would it be? Ooh, I've already said it. Every nurse clinic is a dental clinic. Every every animal you see, we need to have a look in its mouth. Brilliant. And Claire H. Oh, well, I suppose the next thing that comes into it is, is patience as well. So um, I think if you're more patient with dental procedures, you'll start to enjoy it. Really don't give up on things like your radiographs, your dental radiographs, because they're tricky to um, master. But, you know, keep going, keep at it, keep getting the experience um, and just keep learning about it as well. Because even, you know, after 15 years and doing all my additional training, I still learn stuff every day in practice. Um, and every client's different as well. So. Patient's certainly a virtue when it comes to dental. Absolutely. Then. And uh, Claire, to you finally. Um, well, following on from what, what Claire said, it's just be inquisitive. Always ask questions. What What is, is happening in this procedure? Why is that happening? Why are they doing that? Why are they making those decisions? Always be learning from your vets. And, and I suppose from a patient's perspective, please do be your patient's advocate when it comes to to dentistry being performed um, when talking to your clients and trying to encourage their compliance. You're, you're their voice, really. 
Fantastic. Well, thanks for you guys, the panel. I think that's some of the best we've ever had. That was really, really good. Um, if it didn't mess with the sound, I'd give you a big round of applause because um, there's some great stuff for all our delegates to take away there. So thank you very much for that. Um, and that's pretty much it from us. Um, just thanks from everyone, um, the panel. So that's the two Claire's and Nicola. You guys are amazing. I think that's one of the best panels we've ever had. Amazing. Um, Next event's going to be on the 26th of August, isn't it, Rachel? It is indeed. And um, it just remains for me to thank Katie and Ebony on tech and everything else. You guys are amazing. But most of all, the delegates, um, you guys are brilliant. You really make this what it is. All the ideas, the topics, the questions, the top tips, everything. It's all about you guys. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to carry on doing this. Um, and it's just incredible that so many of you come every month and support it, but um, it's for you. So we're going to be putting the same questions out again. We want you to send for our next event, which is again on the 26th of August. So make sure you're there. Um, and uh, just thanks everyone for coming. It's just been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, everyone. It's been wonderful.